everybody. This is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City in Edmonton. I'm Bryn Griffiths, and joining us, as always, is Brent McIntosh. I said in Edmonton today, Brent, because not all of our guests are in Edmonton today. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to have two of the best Canadian real estate agents join us here in our podcast this week, Bryn, as we're going to talk about some other markets. And as great as the conditions are in Edmonton for sellers and we're seeing some prices rise and, and quite substantially for Edmonton, it's nothing like what our guests are going to talk um, to us about. So joining us without any further ado, from Port Coquitlam in British Columbia, we've got Michelle Hawthorne from the Generations Real Estate Partners at Remax Sabre Realty Group. Michelle, how are you? Great, thanks, Brent. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. Thank you for joining us here. And also, uh, from Ontario, and he's from the Jackie Pfeiffer team at Remax About Town in Oakville, Ontario. We have Bill Kie. Bill, how are you? I'm terrific. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Brent. Well, thank you both of you for joining us. Um, I'm pretty excited to talk about the real estate market across Canada because what we're seeing here is is something quite uh, unusual for Canada as far as growth across almost every single market. And that doesn't happen very often. Usually, if one coast is up, the other is down. And we don't not normally see prices rise from coast to coast. And, and I think that that has a lot to do with the pandemic. And, and before I get too worried, but, um, and I'll let you guys talk here real quick, uh, what we've seen is an increase in values in real estate. In fact, Canada has the fastest growing real estate market and the most inflated for all of the G7 countries. So pretty staggering. Um, when we look at average sale prices really quickly in Edmonton, a single family average sale price is now up to $450,000 and a condo price is $230,000. When we look at some of the other markets for single family, Calgary's at 500, Winnipeg's at 385, Montreal at 481, Ottawa 730. When we get into the inner Okanagan area, you're around 800,000. But you two have some big increases in your single family prices. And we'll start maybe on the West Coast and in the Vancouver area. Michelle, tell us about prices in Vancouver and area. For sure. Thanks for having me, Brent. Um, so basically, uh, if you're looking at uh, the downtown or the Vancouver proper area right now, um, the benchmark, the medial um, sale price is about $1.7 million. A staggering 1.7 uh, with condos uh, and townhouses. Uh, so a condo, uh, 715,000, most likely just for a two bedroom, two bath condo, and um, a townhouse being around 900,000. Um, going into our, into sort of the burbs where I am, um, we're probably the 20 um, bedroom community, I guess, of Vancouver. We're about 20 to 40 minutes. From Vancouver. So uh, our, we work in the Tri-Cities predominantly, and that would consist of Port Moody, Coquitlam, and Port Coquitlam. So we're finding with a 20 to 40 minute drive out of Vancouver, we're about um, our uh, average sale price in Coquitlam is 1.565. Uh, and in Port Moody around the same, a little bit of a dip in Port Coquitlam because it's more east, uh, and that's about 1275. So for average detached on those um, with condos in and around but anywhere between 550 and 650, 
depending on area, and then townhouses being uh, really, really hard to find in our areas. So we're approaching a million dollars for a townhouse. Holy cow. Absolutely crazy. I feel bad for anybody trying to buy their first home. And and I'm assuming that you're not seeing a lot of first home buyers necessarily in those areas. Uh, No, Uh, you know, what we're finding is um, a mass uh, sort of an exodus, a displacement. So uh, people coming from the higher areas, the Vancouver, North Vancouver, Burnaby areas that might have been in their condo. And now they're coming out to the burbs. And, uh, you know, it starts downtown, uh, you know, Yale Town, everybody thought, this is great. I'm going to raise my family here. I'm going to live in 600 square feet and, and be with all the cool people in, in Yale Town. Now with the pandemic, uh, working at home with a baby and a dog in a one bedroom or two bedroom apartment. Um, so you're seeing people with equity coming out our way, bumping our locals out and these kids are heading east. Okay. Let's go uh, quickly over to the other side of the country in the east side and the center of the world, if, if you will, in Toronto, Bill. Uh, tell us about uh, average prices in your neck of the woods. Well, thanks a lot, Brent. I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, well, interestingly enough, it's very similar to what the pattern that Michelle was talking about uh, in Oakville. The average price, we talked about it earlier today, Brent, uh, it's just under $1.9 million for average detached home. In wow. Toronto, uh, it's 1.4 million average detached home. Uh, this this published from the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board stats, and you know it's the median price uh, of Oakville homes for detached homes is 1.6, just under 1.7 million, uh, and very similar to story as what Michelle said too uh, with the townhouses. Uh, the average townhouse in, in Oakville is uh, pushed over the million dollar mark uh, and it's uh, a million and 33. Um, so uh, in very similar story, people moving outside of Toronto from the core, there's been changes because of COVID-19 as, as we all know from across the country and people's lives and lifestyles. So some of the people who were needing to report to work in Toronto, we're able to work from home. And uh, Oakville is a, it's kind of a funny term to say this, but a bedroom community of Toronto and of Hamilton. So people, uh, a lot of people work in Toronto, live in Oakville or on the east side of Toronto, the other way uh, would be in Ajax or north of the city in, in Barrie. But uh, we're, the, we're the west side, we get the west wave. And uh, Michelle was talking about the east wave out of Vancouver. So very similar kind of story. Uh, people's lives have changed because of COVID. We've got two people possibly working from home right now. Possibly the kids also uh, being schooled at home. They're finding, well, you know what? We don't have enough room in our house. So we need a bigger place. So there's move up buyers. Uh, There's people who are getting into the market for the first time because of the interest rates are very low and it's driving demand. And uh, anyway, I'll I'll leave it there for a second, Brent, in case you've got a question or something. Yeah. So next I want to ask you guys, uh, you know, I'll start with Michelle. 
where do you see it going? How long is this going to last? How, how much longer do you expect prices to rise? And, and obviously none of us really know for sure, but what are, you, what are you guessing or what are you telling your clients? I guess, well, the same thing as we are all, don't we wish we had that crystal ball? Um, you know, a lot of the naysayers, is this a bubble? Is this going to burst? And I, I just... I just feel that there's there's so much more to it. Um, you know, Vancouver is sort of what do they call it? The um, uh, they're being punished for their success. I, I'm sorry, I'm looking for that term. I can't remember the the one, but you know, we've spent um, tons of money doing uh, trade missions to China over the years. We've uh, had the Olympics. We've done all of these things to put Vancouver on the map, and now we're shocked that people are coming here. Um, and, and, and calling it, you know, as Canadians, we're always apologizing, but we are, we have the mountains, we have the mild climate, um, the views, that kind of thing. So we are a world-class city. Uh, so I guess the first order of business is um, on, a, on a global standards for a coastal city, these prices are not too high. So that's one thing. The second thing is um, uh, without government intervention. I mean, we were here in 2016 where our our benchmark, and I think it's probably the same as uh, is in Toronto, where we could we could gauge the the turning off the tap in August of 2016 when our government tried to cool off the market. So that that put a, a stop to it. Um, but then it just kept chugging along. Um, this is the first time uh, in what I can remember, and I've been doing this for 25 years, but really the first time where we've had, we're experiencing now a local market. So that means that people are selling the condo, buying the townhouse, townhouse is moving up, downsizers moving down. This is local money. So if you're from Vancouver and you're selling real estate in Vancouver, uh, we've been dealing with years and years of foreign buyers. And uh, the thoughts are when when people are vaccinated, we're going to be there's going to be an influx of uh, Hong Kong uh, Canadian citizens. There'll still be a what's the population of China? We know that we haven't reached um, you know anywhere near the numbers of people that are trying to get out of mainland China. So yeah, before we go to to back to uh, Toronto, you said in 2016, and for those who don't know, that was a foreign buyers tax that got implemented Sorry. In, yes. in the Vancouver area, yeah. and and that was uh, obviously to try to slow down the purchase of these foreign buyers coming into the market and buying properties, and and then those properties sitting vacant. Uh, where they weren't even residing in it, and and there's Vancouver people who can't find a place to live yet. There's there was, I guess, thousands of houses sitting vacant. Correct. There were two taxes. One was the the foreign buyers tax. So we're going to tax foreigners, uh, you know, in the Greater Vancouver area, um, and I think they got Kelowna as well, but they yep. did touch Whistler, which was interesting, and I'm quite happy because we have property in Whistler. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, and that was, and then they implemented the um, the for the vacant homes tax. So again, to encourage people to rent out their properties and not let them uh, uh, sit empty for half a year. So that there was there was two taxes. And and Bill, you're in Oakville, which is sort of the who's who of of Canadians when it comes to millionaires and and billionaires. Um, do you see your market slowing down at all? In the, and and do you see an end? And and we you know we talked about the bubble bursting. Is there any end in sight or are the prices in your mind going to continue? What are you telling your clients? Yeah, that's a good question, Brent. So, um, you know, interestingly enough, the interest rates are going to continue to be low for some time. 
So I don't expect a whole big change in demand, uh, but uh, you know, um, yeah. So because of interest rates, the demand are going to be strong. I agree with what uh, Michelle was saying about immigration. That you know, there's three hundred to four hundred thousand new immigrants coming to Canada each year. So a lot of them do settle in the major cities. So we, this area will continue to get, uh, you know, five to six digits numbers of immigrants in, into the area. Um, and that's something that the rest of us in Canada, you know, aren't seeing, by the way. So, so you're seeing that where they're flying into Toronto and then they're staying there, by the way. Um, and then Michelle obviously is, is, you know, seeing that on the West Coast that they fly in from from China and, and they stay in Vancouver. So they're not making their way to the prairies, by the way. Our population here in Edmonton has not grown um, significantly at all in the last five, six years. And so that's been our biggest problem. And I guess that's what's driving prices in both of your markets is that huge influx of people that you've received over the last few years. Correct, Bill? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about the market. Um, now let's, we'll get into specifics here about some situations with multiple offers. Now that we've talked about how um, how high the median and, and average sale prices are in your markets, um, you guys are seeing a shortage of listings, as, as most of us are in the single family world across the country. Um, a multiple offer situation in Edmonton is about three offers and, and the property might sell for $10,000 over list price. Michelle, um, you can probably top that, I'm assuming. Um, yes, I think my record so far this year is uh, 19. Wow. 19 offers. Um, yeah, um, what can I say? I mean, I had one yesterday, there were eight offers. And this is a house that's sort of in between what you would tear down, uh, you know, almost lot value or a full, full reno. And, um, and and so let's talk, how do you price a property knowing that you're going to get multiple offers? Are you purposely pricing it lower than it should be? Or are you pricing it at market value and it's selling for more than what it, you think it's worth? Sure. And that's a great question. And I feel that, uh, and I'm really anxious to hear, um, you know, the Oakville side of this and, and what you're doing. So when we talk about um, the bubble, is it's going to burst? Um, what we're seeing here in our market area where we're back to the old ways of managing expectations. So it's not a given. We're, we're all of a sudden, we're still in very much a seller's market, but we're seeing maybe the amount of offers go down. Uh, so instead of getting 10 offers, maybe we're getting three. Um, as we see that happening, that's a sign that, you know, maybe there's there's more and more places coming on the market. People, uh, buyers are saying, no, hold on. I'm not willing to go there. Uh, you, you're seeing some resistance going on. The challenge is when we list a property based on the last sale, you know, where does this one-upmanship stop? Like, where do we stop? When we're seeing offers, we have an example of one two weeks ago, we listed a property at 1.5 million. We thought that is a good price for this home. If you get mm -hmm. more than that, great, it's 1.5. We only had two offers. One offer came in at 1.4 and one offer came in at 1660. Wow. So, so $160,000 over list and the other one 100 under. Um, so the problem comes in, do you make that the precedent for the guy down the street? Is this an anomaly? 
And that's what we're seeing now is that there's a bunch of people did an evaluation this morning in that same neighborhood. And that data shows that, well, this one's nicer. Do I list it at 1.7? And, right. Yeah. Right. So that's the science now of um, in, in our crazy market. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's the same in Oakville. We have realtors that have promised their clients. I, I think I can get you these dollars when they can't, when they don't get the multiple offers, the seller wants to take the house off the market and raise the price. So you see cancel relist at a higher price. Wow. So all of these um, games going on in different models and. Canada has one of the few markets that has a, a blind offer when it comes to multiple offers. There is, you know, for example, over in Great Britain, when there's multiple offers, uh, all of the buyers get to see all of the offers. Whereas here in, in Canada, for the most part, uh, you know, most of us, only the sellers get to see all of the offers. So it's an interesting scenario. You know, Oakville and, and the Toronto area, Bill, you have yeah. some crazy stories that, that you can share with us about sure. multiple offers this year? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, the highest one that I've heard of, a lender in our office uh, mentioned that there was 62 offers. Wow. Um, I personally experience, you know, uh, between 10 and 20 offers quite regularly. Uh, and in March, there was 22 sales over $3 million in Oakville. And that's the highest. It's never really happened we haven't seen a count like that in a while. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's going to happen, um, continue to, to go on. Like, just to, Michelle said uh, some really, made some good points, but just to add on to what she was mentioning, in, in Oakville, if I were to recommend to a client how to list a home, it is a case-by-case case or home-by-home home, um, basis. It's, it is differing um, across... Um, the town and across the area, um, some some realtors are having success by uh, holding offers and perhaps slightly listing it below market value in hopes of attracting many buyers. Other times, uh, some realtors are listing closer to what they really think the property is going to sell for and going that route. Um, but in any case, you know, we make adjustments to how the market's responding to a listing. Yeah, Michelle? Well, I just had one question actually for Bill. I think he touched on it. Um, in Vancouver, for sure, uh, we're not letting the first person through the door uh, to decide what that price is going to be. So uh, sort of our model is it comes out on a Monday uh, with full video pictures. Everything behind the scenes is done. We maybe have some showings on like a, a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday home inspection and Tuesday, our expectations in a perfect world are that you're going to come with a subject free offer with a bank draft attached to the offer. So tomorrow you don't have buyer's remorse and change your mind. So that is our goal. And like yesterday in my multiple offer with eight offers, I had four subject or unconditional and four with conditions. And they just went and sat on another pile that one of them was even higher and we just didn't that risk. So asking Bill if it, it and and you um uh Brent in Edmonton how you're dealing with showings offers that kind of thing. 
Well, we'll start with Bill. Okay. Are you doing the same sort of format on that, Bill? Are you, are you guys launching a listing at on a certain date, having no showings before that, and and having a a pre campaign, if you will, and then and then having a set date that you're going to look at offers? Is that what the plan is? Yeah, that's that's very uh, close to uh, the mark. Uh, you know, having uh, coming soon sign up uh, while it's getting ready, um, generating interest. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also uh, listing agents uh, do uh, get the homes, uh, get pre-listing inspections done to give these reports to buyers so that they can come in clean. At least they they can see uh, a report on the home, the asset prior to doing an offer because they're spending a lot of money. So that's one thing that a lot of uh, people, sellers are doing now uh, to help buyers out. Okay. Uh, we'll wrap up here because uh, we've been talking about it from a seller's point of view. And, and sometimes I think as real estate agents, we we do that. We get caught up in the market and just look at it from one side. Uh, let's talk about the buyer's side. And, um, uh, you know, for us here specifically, it's been, it's been a challenge even to get uh, financing approved in our little low market here where, where homes sell around the $400,000 price range. Lots of our buyers are not being approved for mortgages. And so I'm interested to see if you're representing a buyer and you're writing an offer unconditionally to try to get one of these multiple offer situations, isn't that stressful for the buyer and and yourself? Michelle, um, do you have a plan for that or or is there a way to combat that? I think the best way to combat it is to make sure right from the get-go that your your buyers, you're giving them the straight goods. And and I have, I love working with buyers and, and I, I just had one the other night, my Zoom buyer 101, you know, how to expect. And I always say in a perfect world, I'd have, you know, seven places to show you and we'd go for a second showing and we'd have a week long due diligence period. But that's the perfect scenario. Throw that out because that's not what we're in reality of dealing in business. This is the ex- expectation of the seller. Um so right off the get-go is having that uh, a mortgage broker or somebody that they can get a hold of um, and somebody that you have a handle on their financing because there's probably not many brokers out there. They've got to you know, cover their butts as well. They're not going to say carte blanche, go in and write an all-cash offer. Right. Uh, and that's not happening out there. People, however, are throwing caution to the wind when we're dealing with if you have a good broker and they say, based on, you know, your, um, your income and your down payment, you know, you're a strong candidate. And if we have something that we know will appraise out, that's the key here. So if you have a two bedroom, two bathroom condo, and there's five recent sales, those are really easy to feel confident about. Sure. If you have something that's very, you know, um, a, a detached home, um, in our area, basement suites uh, are huge. So that's not a um, a cash cow for a buyer. That's that's what they need in order to be able to afford houses in Vancouver. Um, so the bank will count part of that as as income, the revenue for these suites. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of variables, I guess, and it's knowing at the beginning, working close with a broker, so that you can, you know do that because banks aren't inclined to say throw caution to the wind sure no and it seems tougher and tougher and and you know what we're seeing here and something obviously you guys aren't seeing at all and i'm so envious 
uh, we're now getting offers um, with three weeks to satisfy the financing condition because uh, the banks are telling um, the mortgage specialists and, and are, are saying that it's taking them two to three weeks to get approvals for for the financing and and most of our deals from last week by the by the way got extended to this week and most of our deals that were supposed to be removing conditions this week have already been extended to next week that, so that's the conditions we're seeing here in Edmonton bill uh, lastly let's uh, when you're representing a buyer uh, what yep. are you doing to protect that buyer and, and and how are you you making your offers to try to win in these situations and still have the buyer comfortable enough that they're they're going to get the financing or that this house is going to pass an inspection Okay, the uh, first part of that question, Brent, do with uh, we get the clients uh, pre-qualified uh, with the lender first, make sure that they're operating within their budget and that they're not uh, going over their budget and they, they can expect competition, give them lots of information about what's going on in the market uh, before going out. And so they can expect right now in this market as a severe seller's market that there's going to be competition with their offer. To help get their offer to win, the second part of your question is getting a deposit ready, a nice size deposit. Maybe if a seller is asking for a $50,000 deposit, see if we can improve that and get, get the bank draft done uh, while we're doing the offer the day of. And I'll get an image of that and I'll send it to the listing rep with the offer. Usually if, if a seller is holding offers for a week, left they listed on a Thursday, they want to see offers on a Monday or Tuesday, there's time to do an in home inspection if the buyers really want to do one, uh, if they believe that that's a requirement. So you can get that done and looked after, taken care of before doing an offer. Um, and it, we're also on this system, a lot of reps out here, there's Broker Bay and showing time. And we also get updates about how many offers are coming in um, in real live time. So we get that information over to our buyer clients. So they always have a chance to improve their offer if more offers come in after theirs. Wow. Yeah, I think we're about the same. And and um, most recently, I, uh, one of the, um, the pre-inspection uh, you know, you might not um, be successful in getting the home and you've paid for your inspector. I know that we use certain inspectors that will be really kind to the buyers moving forward and, and do, you know, quick checkups on them and um, had one recently with the video clip. We've all heard the letters, but the most recent I have was the lovely little video from mom, wow. baby. Can you please show this to your clients first? I mean, it, you're building your case and it's poker and we're just really smart very smart we, yeah we, we, we've had some letters but we've never had a video so so really brilliant well thank you both of you I, I mean I could literally talk to you guys for hours about these because it's 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 absolutely astonishing to me um uh, one of the questions I didn't ask you guys asked me about how we we handle offers when we uh, when we get them here in Edmonton um when I get an offer I actually call the seller and I present it because that might be our only offer um so a little different here and and uh, we're still thankful that uh, our, our economy is starting to finally turn around after five or six years of of down markets so so we're pretty excited to get one offer not necessarily having to wait for for 19 more to fill in um Michelle, uh, for those who might be interested in, in finding out a little bit more about uh, the Tri-City area or, or, or have some real estate questions, how does somebody get a hold of you? Uh, you can just uh, call me on my cell at 604-218-2000. Uh, 
888-256-2853 or email me at michelle at generationsrec.com. And Bill, same thing. If somebody is looking for some real estate in the Oakville area, how might they find you? Uh, my direct number is 647-984-2455. You can also email me at bmkeay at rogers.com, uh, billsellshomes.com. Okay, and we'll have all of that in the show notes of the podcast. Thank you guys both so much for your time and your expertise. I really appreciate it. Bryn? Well, Bryn, we have to ask, how do people get a hold of you? That's kind of important, oh, too. Oh, I guess so. If somebody would like to get a hold of any one of our team members, you can reach us directly at 780-464-0075 or find us at macintoshgroup.ca. And that's it for the time today. Make sure to, uh, we love the feedback, so uh, so don't hesitate to drop us a line. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh, and we'll talk to you next time.